0: Blog TALK RADIO You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restina and Robert Your source for martial arts talk radio
1: Talk radio with Ristita and Riller. I'm Rasita and I am joined by my esteemed co host and brother in the martial arts, Sue Rupert Super Bob, how are you doing today? Oh, you know what? It help if I turn your mic up a little bit.
2: I was talking to air here. You were
1: talking to air. Wow. Sorry. You got your mic up now. <laughs> Wow, and uh, I
2: guess we're having Skype trouble because now you are breaking up a little bit. All no. of a sudden, you were fine before the show started.
1: Uh, you know, I bet, it, I bet it would be better when the, when the, uh, when the music starts playing. out. Let's here. Yeah, let's see. Let's turn it off and see what happens. Okay, how's that? Is that a little better? Once Not much ready.
2: better. Not much are better. You?
1: Well, how, how badly am I breaking up?
2: A little bit. A little bit.
1: Oh, you know, well, if well, worse ah. comes to the worst, I'll just call on my phone. But I know I hate calling on my phone, but oh well.
2: <laughs> right. Well, welcome listeners. I've always wanted to do something on our show I've never done before because it's in a lot Thank of ads. I've always, I've because our show is Sunday. I've always wanted to say it's Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I'm done. That was it.
1: <laughs> it's Sunday. It's Sunday the 26th, as a matter of fact. <laughs> it's Sunday the
2: 26th, and I just put an announcement out on Facebook that our anniversary show is in two weeks on November 9th. So I'm inviting all of our listeners, all of our past guests. To call in and talk, just like they did last year. Last year was a great show we did. Uh, mm-hmm. That was oh, so
1: much fun. Last,
2: oh, that was a blast, wasn't it? It was great. We had so many callers that night. I'm surprised you could keep up with everybody because they were calling yeah. in so much.
0: Yeah. So that was, that last was night, tough.
2: my wife, my wife and I go shopping last night, right? She needs a new purse, okay. and I just got a purse two months ago, but I'm an idiot because I'm a guy. So. <laughs> we're, and they, we're at Burlington Coat Factory, and they have racks and racks and racks of purses. So, right? She looked at she's looking at these ones that are fifty, seventy, eighty, ninety dollars, and then she finds this one that's very acceptable, seventeen dollars, and okay. she doesn't like the strap. Okay, now I know you don't carry a purse. I surely don't no. carry a purse. But the difference between men and women are between an eighty dollar purse and a sixteen dollar purse. Those straps would have worked out just fine. We for a yeah. fifty dollar difference, yeah. we we would have settled, right? So at the end, when she finally, right. we're, we're there half an hour, and she says, well, I'm looking, mm-hmm. she's looking for the perfect one." So she she says, "Okay, this is the one I want. This one." So she turns her back and starts heading towards the the checkout line, and I make mm-hmm. behind her back, I make a a choking sign. Like, I've got my hands around her neck, just as she turns around and sees it.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll, you <laughs> she know. said, you are so busted. That's right. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Huh. Now, here's the thing, though. Oh, go
0: ahead. Now,
1: here's the thing, though. You know, I, I I don't carry a per I carry what I call, like, an urban satchel basically you know it's like a gear bag it's like it looks like something that you would you know carry camera gear in or something like that it's either that or i carry a briefcase or a backpack because i you know i don't go anywhere other than the studio right so right you know i never really understood why purses have to be like a hundred dollars because you just got to put stuff in it <laughs> you know you're just going to put stuff exactly in I can do that with a paper bag, and it costs me five cents at the Safeway. But, but I, you know, I I will say that you know some women will say that it, it's all about the fashion. It's all about how each purse makes them feel. You know, okay, I can kind of see that. It's kind of like you know how I feel when I put on a certain uniform. But even then, you know, the most I ever pay for a uniform is maybe about a hundred bucks, unless it's. Unless it's custom, and even then, it's probably only like two hundred bucks. I've seen purses out there that are three hundred bucks, four hundred bucks. It's like really, really, you better you better have a DVD oh, of them killing the cow and skinning it and making your purse. If you know if it's gonna cost five hundred bucks. <laughs> absolutely.
2: Well, go buy a, go buy a Gucci bag. Those are like fifteen hundred dollars.
1: I know. it's, it's I don't. I, dude, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't either. You know, You know, and it's the same
2: kids in the same sweatshop in China that are making them for everybody.
1: hmm hmm And they just I put a different name it. on
2: it, and it's like.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and that's the thing is that, you know, that's I know that's one thing that people got to watch out for is the knockoffs that, you know, that people are selling for like 1500 bucks, but they were made in in China or Pakistan or something like that. And just enough is different on each um, on each bag where, you know, regular people wouldn't know and they'll they'll pay fifteen hundred dollars for it. And it's like, really? And it falls apart like a month later. It makes no sense. (laughs) <laughs> anyway <laughs> that's right
0: and
2: and there is no warranty on but i've got some very fine advice for the men out there i this is that. gospel a fighting with a woman is like being arrested everything you say can be used it can and will be used against you for the right. rest of your life
1: <laughs> hmm <laughs> Yep, <laughs> that's right. And it's like you know, and you know, it's weird. It's like you know, I know some women that would say, you know, well, well, guys just don't understand, you know. And it, it, it's it's kind of like it's it's the same reason why I don't understand why men have to have a man cave, you know. It, it's like I don't understand that, you know. But that's just me. But you know yeah? that that
2: that 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 is. It's like when a woman says. A man doesn't get it. I, I'm like, no kidding. Really? We don't understand women. Gee, talk about stating the obvious. <laughs>
0: well,
1: that, that's true. And, and, men don't understand women. And But the thing right. is <laughs> that men have a bunch of stereotypes based on the fact that they don't understand the women. That's where everything gets messed up both ways. We don't understand guys. But You know
2: what? Well, no, what kills me is that you say you don't understand guys. All guys are the same. We are all dogs. We are all the same. (laughs) And girls don't get that. And when we do something stupid, because we're going to do something stupid because we're guys.
0: Uh That's
2: how guys are. Don't (laughs) act
0: surprised. Just don't
2: act surprised that we do something. (laughs) Expect it because it's going to (laughs) happen.
1: <laughs> you know what it is. It's like, I guess we just keep thinking, we just keep thinking that maybe, just maybe, we'll meet a smart one. Stop <laughs> it. it. That's, That's never going to happen. We're going to live with it. Oh, yeah. Anyhow, it's October 26th and it's Halloween weekend. So I just want to put a shout out out there to all the kids out there that are going to be trick or treating or celebrating El Dia de los Muertos. Um, kids, you know, if you're going to go trick or treating, uh, be safe. Always go out with an adult. Um, always go out in groups. And do not, do not, do not. And by the way, do not eat candy until a parent or a guardian inspects them all right i mean have you heard about the latest thing where you know there's rumors that there might be marijuana laced candy that might go around this halloween no really yeah i mean they make candy that's cannabis infused and stuff which is great for people that don't want to smoke it or you know don't want to um you know make you know hash butter out of it or anything but so you can literally, you know, uh, suck on a hard candy or have something like a, uh, like a Snickers bar or something like that that's infused with cannabis oil, and, and my God, if that goes out into the public, yeah, you know, to the kids, that's gonna it. That, that's that's the worst prank ever. So for anybody out there that's thinking of of putting out, you know, ca- cannabis infused candies for the kids, don't. It, that's a stupid prank. It's a stupid idea. Just don't. Don't. And by the way, don't. That, that's so, right. And ben, don't.
0: Ab- absolutely. Even even yeah. when
2: I was a kid, my parents were checking the candy and everything else. And there were sometimes when we did not, when our kids were really young, my wife would give them some, put the rest mm-hmm. away, and hope, hope they forgot about it. And usually they did. Then we'd throw it out.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's smart. <laughs> That's smart because you know back then that was when like stupid people were putting in razor blades in right. candy and stuff like that and you know anyone it, oh, I'm I'm not even gonna get started on the crazy people so <laughs> let's let's move on and listeners out there write down our phone number three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine or click our marquee if you're seeing this on Facebook click the marquee. Go to the Blog Talk Radio Show Marquee on blogtalkradio.com. Scroll down and you'll find our find our chat board there. Um, go ahead and uh, post any um, any hellos or shout outs or events or announcements that you want to put out there and uh, we'll announce it. Now stay tuned everyone because later on in about maybe 25 to 30 minutes we are going to have world PKA champ Jeff Smith on the show with us. He was really big. Uh, Along the same time that Joe Lewis and Bill Wallace were uh, very heavy on the PKA scene and the sport karate scene. So we're going to have him on the show with us and we're going to have actress and stunt person and uh, Taekwondo champ Inga Van Arden joining us also. And they're going to be telling us a little bit about their backgrounds and about their recent appearances on the new upcoming movie, The Martial Arts Kid. So stay tuned, and we're going to talk to talk to them a little bit later. All right. Very cool. Okay. Well, why don't we, Let's move on. Let's go on to birthdays. You've got some birthdays, and I've got some birthdays.
2: Yeah, I've got uh, today is Eddie Morales' birthday. He is the co-host of the uh, seasonal radio show, uh, Kicking an Old School with Dan and Ed. Uh, I've got Johnny, Jonathan Azuni. His birthday is on the twenty ninth. He's an old uh Gundo training partner that I used to train with in the nineties, uh, down in Chinatown. Uh, a friend of mine, Brandon Butler, that I used to work with uh, about three years ago. His birthday's on the thirtieth. Uh master and ambassador to the Masters Hall of Fame. And Neil Hardin. His birthday is on Halloween. Happy birthday wow. to my set.
1: All right. And I've got a I got a set also on October 27th, it's my niece's birthday. That's tomorrow. Lena Chin, she's going to be 16. 16 already. Where have all the years gone? Um, And then on October 28th, a member of the Seattle Snapdragons Whip Enthusiast Group, Gary Marshall, he's going to be celebrating his birthday on Tuesday. And there are three birthdays on the 30th. Um, I'd like to send a shout-out out out there to our assistant instructor at my studio, Body Movement Arts, Marina Kosenko. Um, Also a shout-out to James Maxwell. He's another accomplished whip artistry enthusiast. And uh, also to a former student of mine, Lisa Thompson. Um, And, again, they're all celebrating their birthdays on the 30th. Another shout-out here goes to two people with birthdays on Halloween, Mr. David Burla and Miss Allison Appen, um, actually three, there's three of them, and Mr. Jeff Toledo. Yep. All their birthdays are on October 31st on Halloween. So for everybody... I got question having... Sure. Uh,
2: Jeff Toledo, any relation Be- because of the Toledo screamer?
1: Um, Not that I know of. <laughs> okay. Not that I know of, but yeah you know i'm, I'm still looking <laughs> still looking <laughs> so, okay still looking yeah so for everyone out there having a birthday the week of october 26th through the through november 1st actually this tune's for you happy to you and may all your
0: dreams come true happy
1: Right, Happy birthday, everybody. Don't party too hard now. Well, I guess you can party. <laughs> have fun. Yeah. All right. Is there, is there
2: such a thing that's partying too hard?
1: Yeah. Well, nowadays there is. I mean, you know, I'm gone after one yeah. beer. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that.
0: All it's right. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some announcements. Do you have any announcements that you want to talk about there, buddy?
2: Oh, okay. Let's uh, talk about Battle for Blood Tournament. Uh, Woohoo! It's uh, going to take place next month. Uh, I'm sorry. It's going to take place December. I was thinking it was already November because we were just talking about Halloween. It's going to take place uh, Saturday, December 13th. First event is going to be $25. Second event is going to be $35. 3 events is going to be $45. Spectator is going to be $10. It's going to be at the Town & Country Hotel at 500 Hotel Circle North in this beautiful city of San Diego. Their phone number is 619-269-7541. Now, the following day on the 14th, you're going to have uh, seminars. Seminars by mm-hmm. some amazing martial arts. Doug That's Wong, right. Eric Lee, Mark Shuey, Frank Dukes, and at night they're going to have a writers. Uh, help me out because it's not on the flyer. They're going to have a, a an authors' award uh, uh, appreciation banquet. Not really like a hall of fame, but it's going to be a uh, an award banquet uh, mm-hmm. to the authors, to the people who have who have actually supported Sidekick Publications over the years. And that's mm-hmm. $75 per, per uh, dinner ticket, and that's going to happen from fi- uh, 5 until 8 on Sunday, also at the Town and Country. It's going to be a great weekend, and if they have Internet access, we are maybe uh, doing a, a show live from there, which that is going to be, be really cool.
1: That would be cool. That would, that would be cool. Awesome. Now, I do have a couple yeah. of other announcements. Um but i am gonna speaking of tournaments we might as well you know keep on with the tournament thing here um december twenty sixth th- december twenty sixth through the thirty first buffalo new york it's the n b l super grands these are uh, this is like the one of the biggest tournaments in the country when it comes to the n b l this is this is the tournament that n b l n b l uh, NBL, uh uh competitors really want to be in. Um and again it's gonna be in Buffalo, New York and um the uh pre registration actually goes from it continues through uh December twenty sixth uh twenty fifth and the twenty sixth. Um and uh, the whole shebang ends with a New Year's Eve party. Can you can you believe that? I mean uh a wow. martial arts, I know a martial arts tournament that ends with a New Year's Eve party. I mean, how how cool is that? Now, a lot of people might be hemming and hawing about the choice of the dates. Um and you know, the tournament might cramp some plans when it comes to Christmas, but you know, the the organizers just had very little choice when they had to think this all through for this year. Now, the the NBL Super Grands um are going to be at the Adams Mark Hotel. And uh, the organizers have negotiated a very discounted price of $129 per night. And they've actually negotiated this price that that hasn't changed, $129. That hasn't changed in five years. Now, in order to make sure that you get a room, they suggest that you place a tentative reservation now. Because the hotel might sell out. Um, Just like it did back in 2012. It completely sold out. So you might want to book a tentative reservation and then change it later. <laughs> um, so that way at least, you know, you'll know, uh, you know, when your own flight is and, and stuff like that. Okay, so uh, do that. All right, so some other announcements right off of our Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. Um, we've got a announcement from David Jansen who posted – a blog post from com. So I'm assuming that's Orange County Muitai, um, and it's a great article about running barefoot. Um, and this is for 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 beginners. So if you're a beginner and you're just starting out with the with the running barefoot, um, check this out. It's on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page, and and you can't miss it. <laughs> Learning to run barefoot for beginners um and unfortunately beginners is beginners is spelled incorrectly sorry <laughs> i had, had to yeah. had to go to that had to go to that okay we have another post here from martial arts kits and uh martial arts uh martial arts kits offers embroidered martial arts patches at the most affordable price with fastest turnaround time now, that's a big claim, so I guess the only way to test it is to order some patches, folks. They they provide a free price quote, free artwork assistance, and a free sewn-out sample with unlimited edits and revisions. So you get to actually see and feel your patch before you actually say, okay, let's run 100 or 200 or 500 of these. I mean, how cool is that? Um, because because I've ordered patches that when they came to me would be kind of like subpar or stitching was out or the design was kind of wrong and just didn't work. So now their prices are all inclusive of shipping. They don't charge an additional shipping fee. So go to martialarts.com and check out how you can order some great, uh, great martial arts patches. Awesome. I think that's it for me. And uh, I'm going to need some help from our listeners out there. Um if you can if uh, any if anyone's listening out there and can get to the Blog Talk Radio show marquee and go down to the chat board, um if you could tell me whether or not I'm coming through clearly or if I'm breaking up or if there's um feedback noise cuz I'm hearing this weird buzzing feedback noise. Um and I don't know where it's coming from and it and um I know it's not my headset. So, I need someone to just tell me that. Because I don't think Bob hears it either. Do you hear it? It's a weird buzzing noise.
2: No, I I don't hear it. But you know, I've always wondered if you heard voices in your head. So now I know.
1: <laughs> just buzzing, just buzzing. <laughs> right. Yep. What's up my ass on phone? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, that's yeah. it for my. That's it for for all those announcements. So I guess let's move on to health and fitness news. All right. So this uh this isn't really well I guess this is health news because it, it it is about that that ugly word Ebola. And uh, as of uh Friday, as of this past Friday, health officials have announced that they expect to start vaccine trials in West Africa as early as December. Now, this article was uh, written by Andrew Pollack um, as of uh, Friday, October 24th. And um, he says that uh, last Friday, public health authorities said that they had hoped to begin trials on Ebola vaccines in the disease-ravaged West Africa areas as early as December and could know around April 2015 whether or not these were effective, clearing the way for possible mass inoculations to stem this epidemic. The vaccine is not a magic bullet, says Dr. Marie Paul Kiney of the World Health Organization, but when ready, they may be a good part of the effort to turn tide of this epidemic. Now, Dr. Kiney, Assistant Director General for Health Systems and Innovation for the Organisation, spoke on Friday about the conclusions of a meeting the day before where government officials, drug companies, and others discussed how to test and possibly deploy vaccines most effectively. Trials in December would be a month earlier than Dr. Kiney had indicated manufacturers have committed to having millions of vaccine doses available in 2015 with hundreds of thousands ready halfway through the year. All previous plans are changing from week to week, Dr. Tiny says, and always to a greater involvement and a greater mobilization of all efforts to have more vaccine available more quickly. Now, some health experts say that an effective vaccine might now represent the best hope because it has been difficult to slow the spread of the disease using conventional public health measures like isolating patients and tracing their contacts. However, efforts are being made to intensify those conventional methods, such as building new treatment centers to handle more patients. Dr. Kiney said a decision to start mass vaccinations later in 2015 would depend on whether one or more vaccines proved safe and effective. We we can't forget about safe folks. And whether or not there would be enough vaccine available and whether the strategy would be necessary. Now, two experimental vaccines are already being tested for safety in healthy volunteers in the United States and other countries outside the outbreak region. One is being developed by the National Institutes of Health and GlaxoSmithKline and the other by the Canadian government and New Link genetics. At least five other vaccines could begin human testing in early two thousand fifteen. Now, that's that's great news that there's the possibility of an Ebola vaccine. But you know what my question is, Bob? How do you test it in a health how do you test it in a healthy individual? That's kinda of what I wanna know. How does how do they I wonder how they work that? <laughs> That, that
2: well,
1: just yeah, stuff? that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just maybe they do like white blood cell counts and you know do whatever else. You know, I'm not a researcher, so it just it just didn't make sense at first. How do you test it in healthy individuals? But I'm assuming that they know what they're looking for, and that's good. So you know, fingers crossed, everyone. You know, let's hope that there's uh, that there'll be a vaccine. Let's put an end to this epidemic. All right. Well, that's it for my health news. Let's move on to weird weird news.
2: Okay. This is one of those stories that I didn't read first. So I hope it comes out right because, you know, some of the stories that we choose, maybe we didn't proofread them or something or we thought they were interesting, and then it's written really poorly. With that, yeah. some of the sentences don't make sense, right?
1: Yeah, right. So just, <laughs> just, 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 just
2: a forewarning here. Okay. So, uh, this was uh, it, the title of it is Ramp for Road Drives into Harbor. Hillary Hanson, the Huffington Post. A Maine woman is alive after mistaking a boat launch ramp for a road and driving straight into the harbor.
1: Eva oh, no. Lenfest
2: nine. 92 years old.
0: Whoa. This woman was 92.
2: Was behind Whoa. the wheel Thursday morning when her sedan plunged into the water of Belfast Harbor, the Penn Bay pilot reported. Officials said both the ramp and the surface of the water were covered with a layer of leaves, and Len Fez later said she thought she was driving on the road, according to the Bangor Daily News. There was also heavy rain that morning, which further decreased visibility. Two men working in the harbor, Brighton Burlinson and Belmont Boatworks uh, uh, and assistant harbormaster Howard Whitcomb, were able to get the car into a rubber dinghy and pull Lenfest out. Brighton mm. had actually got the door open and got her unhooked, and he was trying to get her out, but the car was going down. So I jumped mm. into the boat, and we got a hold of her and pulled her out. Whitcomb told the Penn Bay pilot. Harbor master Catherine Pickering told the paper that the men got Linfess out just a split second before the car was totally submerged. Belfast police told WABI-TV, that other drivers have made the same mistake in the past, including at least one who drowned in the harbor.
1: Oh man! So I
2: I, I can see how she did it. Raining, no visibility, leaves covering both the ramp and the and the har and the body of water.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It looked like a road.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that you know, that kind of reminds me of the windstorm that we had yesterday. <laughs> the, <laughs> the wind was so bad, Bob. Um, that Lake Washington was blowing on to the floating bridges that we have over here. And that uh, you saw that, that footage that I that I posted on Facebook, right? Where it looks like oh, yeah. you know like there's like fire hoses shooting onto the shooting onto the road. No, that was and, and all that like uh, uh Squirly looking stuff on the edge of your screen when you were watching it. That was Lake Washington. Lake Washington is a freshwater lake. It's normally calm, but it looked like, you know, heavy seas. And, oh, my gosh, and th- there was so much water. I came over I-90, and there was so much water. I freaked myself out. I thought, oh, my gosh, get me home, get me home, get me home. You know, and I, you know that a smart car would have gone through some of these puddles on the bridge and probably would have stalled. <laughs> because they're so small, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And you couldn't see anything because there was there was nothing to see. It was it was just the surface of water, you know. And um, I, I I would assume that it would be the road too, you know. I can, you know, but but wouldn't you? I mean, how do you get to a place where there is a boat ramp? You see what I'm saying? How do you how do you get yeah. there? I mean, you have to like go off the road somehow to some place that looks like beach or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and it
2: would have been really bumpy because it might have been dirt or something else. Uh, yeah. Oh, I want to ask. I don't know if you guys have them up there, but do you have the guys that stand in front of, let's say, apartment buildings that are having that are, have apartments for lease? They, they they have sign spinners out front, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You seen those?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, what we they've been
2: science doing science. down here and I I don't know if they're doing it up here. What a lot of the businesses are doing, they're finding animated mannequins. What? That move science just back and forth.
1: Oh, okay. What? And they're they're women
2: mannequins dressed in lingerie. <laughs> of course.
1: Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah,
2: but I've seen those out out in front of us. Uh, uh, there's, there's one on my way home from work that was out in front of a, uh, uh, quick loop to, to an oil change place and it had one of those a- animated mannequins. Alan has <laughs> auto sound out here, does radio, does car stereo, same thing. Mannequin dressed in, in lingerie holding a sign.
1: Well, I can see the car stereo thing. Cause they're, you know, getting, the guys trying to get their big woofers and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, that, that sounded nasty. <laughs> well, so did the so did the lady standing out in front of Quick Lube. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even think. And you accused me of having a filthy mind? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, All right. Uh, okay. Now okay, we're on to on.
0: entertainment news.
1: Entertainment news. Yeah. Stay tuned, everybody. Uh, Stay tuned. In about like five, six minutes or so, uh, we're gonna have. Uh, uh, former PKA world champion Jeff Smith joining us and Inga Van Arden joining us. So don't go away. Our phone number heres seven seven zero six nine nine. Give us a call to talk to these wonderful people. All right, let's go to the entertainment news there, Bob.
2: Well, this, this, this is sad because, you know, this sort of happened to me and my family. Jackie Chan's son, JC, mm-hmm. was arrested in Beijing under uh, for drugs.
1: Yeah, that was back. That was last month. That was last month. He got month. he got arrested. Yeah, he got arrested. La- like late That's last right. month. That's right. Got
2: arrested in Beijing. Now Jackie says he he strives now to be a better father. You know, we all do. We all strive to be better fathers. I mm-hmm. can see with he's made so many movies and things. I can see where maybe he wasn't there a lot of the time. Right. But here it says Chan's son J C Chan recently made news after he was arrested on drug charges in Beijing during a crackdown in the city and other parts of China, along with the sting of other celebrities for possession of marijuana. After Jack Chan's son's arrest, the actor has vowed to become a better father to JC. Following Jack Chan's son's arrest, the actor released an online statement apologizing for his son's mistake. Up until recently, he hadn't spoken publicly about the situation his family is currently going through. In a Mm -hmm. recent Beijing event meant to promote his latest martial arts film, Skip Trace*, where he plays a Hong Kong detective chasing an American gambler played by Jackass star Johnny Knoxville. Jackie Chan's Mm -hmm. son obviously became a target of questions by the press, and the Karate Kid star was gracious enough to answer. I am always a father... I used to be an unqualified father. Now, after this event, I want to be a qualified father, Jackie Chan told reporters, according to the website, IBN Live. The actor also urged the press not to speculate about his son's arrest and prosecution, saying that although he could bear the attack, bear the attacks, they wouldn't be fair on his wife, JC's mother, the retired mm-hmm. Taiwan waitress, Lin Feng Zhao also known as Joan Lin. Chan also said that he had... Where Where am I? Chan also said that he had nothing further to add than the statements he had already made in regards to his son's arrest, that he knew no further, and that all rumors that he and his wife had met up with, Chinese authorities trying to solve the issue were untrue. Besides, mm-hmm. his obvious shock as a parent... The arrest of Jackie Chan's son hit the actor hard since he was appointed as an anti-drug ambassador in 2009, according to the Sky News. Jackie Chan's son, JC, who is an actor like both his parents, was arrested after Beijing police found over 100 grams of marijuana at his apartment last August. The 32-year-old is also accused of accommodating drug users which in the asian country is offense that carries a maximum penalty of 3 years in prison. Mm. Wow. Wow.
1: Well, it's it's good it's good to hear though that Jackie is is um committed to to being a better father. I, you know, I had forgotten how old JC is. I think is any um well, I thought you mentioned his age, didn't you? Is any 32. Like, yeah. 32. Okay. Yeah, my gosh, you know that's something you don't want to get caught with in in China.
0: <laughs> no,
2: no. And I,
1: one thing I always
0: told
2: told my son, you know, after we went through some things, is you can't be hanging around with people like this. You can't yeah, be hanging yeah. around with drug users because right. it's guilty by association. You get right. you, and I try to tell him if you're if one of your friends gets popped with an illegal amount of marijuana in my car. I'd lose my car, my car got right. taken away, yeah, because of something stupid he
0: did,
1: yeah, exactly, and you know, and, so you just, know, and just, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you know kids just don't get it, they don't get that oh, your car can get taken away, therefore they don't get rides anywhere they don't they don't think that far sometimes, um, but you know no, it's um, true. it's 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 something really to be to be careful about, and uh with that said, though, you know, if I hear about one more. California kids saying that they want to move to Washington just because it's legal up here. I think I'm going to scream. (laughs) I don't know. Remember
2: when that law was passed? I, I told, I told you Brandon now wanted to move in with you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be working. (laughs) He'd be working and paying rent if that was the case. But that's right. right. Well, listeners, let's go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and take a short three minute break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Jeff Smith and Inga Van Arden. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this.
3: Hey, MMA fighter Jason Mayhem Miller here. School bullying and cyberbullying statistics are increasingly viewed as important contributors to youth violence, including homicide and suicide. Let's kick bullying together. Go to com.
0: This is Annie
4: Lennox of Eurythmics, or RAD. Please don't drink and drive, and don't drive if someone else has been drinking. Thank you.
0: A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
5: This is Guru Rocky Twitchell of Citrus Heights, California, and you are listening to the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show.
0: Packers.
2: We come from different places.
0: Uptown. Downtown. We
2: come to different conclusions.
4: Half empty.
2: Half full. But when we live united, we
5: make a real difference in the building blocks of life. Children succeed in school. Families gain financial stability. The health of our neighbors improves, and suddenly so do our communities. Real change won't happen without you. Live Live United. United. So give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Sign up today at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
2: Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? You can email your suggestions and ideas to Dynamic Dojo radio host at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page.
0: You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show. With Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio.
1: All right, and we are back. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. Our phone number here is 6770699 give us a call if you want to talk to our special guest tonight now if you don't want to call in we have a chat board on our blog talk radio show marquee you can go ahead and uh type your questions in there um or if you're worried about long distance on the skype marquee or sorry on the uh, blog talk radio show marquee we do have a skype link so click on the skype you can skype with us free of charge no long distance Right on. So I'm really excited about tonight's show. We have two wonderful people joining us tonight. Um, so I'd like to go ahead and bring them on the mic. I'd like to bring on the mic of 8th uh, Degree Master Black Belt and, and uh, PKA World Champion, Mr. Jeff Smith. Master Smith, how are you doing this evening?
5: Good. Uh, can you hear me okay?
1: Yes, I can. You're, you're coming in okay, loud and great. clear, sir.
0: Awesome. <laughs> good. good.
1: And I'd also like to bring on 50-degree Taekwondo black belt, um, Inga Van Arden, to the to the show. And Inga, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you very much. Awesome. Good to hear that. Awesome. And um, what we usually like to do uh, to start the show is we like to give our listeners a little bit of a background to our guests. So uh, starting with Master Smith, if we could have you tell our listeners a bit about how you got started in martial arts and what you got interested in martial arts, and then we'll uh, take the same question over to Inga.
5: Okay, uh, no problem. Uh, I started uh, martial arts when I was in junior high school back in Texas, uh, and I started with uh, Grandmaster June Rhee, and uh, mm. Grandmaster Rhee was uh, – as most people know, the first uh, person to teach Taekwondo in America, and Mm -hmm. he started in Texas as a foreign exchange student, and he was a student at the University of Texas, and I was uh, from uh, Kingsville, Texas, which was fairly close to University of Texas in Austin, and so one of his black belts started a program at the, the university in my hometown, Kingsville, Texas, and that was texas a and i university back then, and it is now called texas a and m university mm-hmm. but uh back yeah. in the six back in the sixties it was uh, texas a and i and uh so i uh you know came up through their system and uh when i got into college there at a and i i was the instructor and uh grandmaster re at that since that time had moved to washington d c to start uh, his chain of martial arts taekwondo schools. And uh, he asked me to come up and teach for him. And uh, I was a senior at the Texas a and at the time and uh, decided it would be a good career move to move from a little town in Texas up to a big uh, uh, city, you know, nation's capital, Washington, D. <laughs> D.C. Being a business mm-hmm. major, I thought that would be a good opportunity for me to start a career uh i never knew back then that martial arts was going to be my career i i thought that was <laughs> my,
0: my hobby
5: <laughs> and then when, I, when i when i came out to washington dc and of course at the time i had been competing in a lot of tournaments and so i knew that was going to give me a great opportunity to extend that uh martial arts competition side that uh that i was so interested in and uh When I got out there, I realized that uh, the way he was running his operation, that it was a great business and a unique opportunity for me. Uh, Anytime you can combine your hobby with your job, uh, it never seems like you're going to work. It always just seems like you're going to play.
0: That's right. (laughs) uh,
5: My my job for the rest of my life has been – Thing that I would have done even if I was uh, having an eight-to-five job anywhere. So uh, it's been quite uh, an experience and uh, uh, quite an adventure that is still continuing to this day after 50 years in the martial arts.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. that's wow. awesome. Oh,
0: yeah. So,
1: wow, yeah. So, Inga, so same if, question if, if, for you. Yeah, we'll oh, let her sorry. finish
0: her
5: question. Yeah, go ahead and let okay. her do it.
1: All right. Alrighty, righty. Inga, same question for you. Right. What got you started in martial arts? What got you interested in it? Hi. Um, that's
4: interesting because uh, my experience started with the boys pulling my hair in school. <laughs> 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 and um, I really, really didn't like that. And It, was, um, it well, wasn't me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Who knows now? <laughs> so... My um, first um, experience in Russia at that time it was very difficult with martial arts because it was uh, undercover Ill- illegal or it just started to open up. And um, the first martial arts we had it was a uh, judo, uh, like sambo, sambo like judo, mm-hmm. and um, that's the first time I actually was introduced to martial arts, and I kick ass right away I was so happy and then we moved to different cities <laughs> and in the other city it was karate and that's where I went to the school and my mom told me first time she was like Inga your girl there's only boys out there don't go there you're gonna break your hands and legs and you're never gonna do this again I'm like yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and so after that, we moved to another city. So we were traveling a lot. And then after karate, I was introduced to Taekwondo ITF. And that time, Taekwondo was um, under the p- local police. And uh, it was totally in, uh, in, they have interesting communication and almost like undercover, but not. And I started to do championships and traveling around and have a team. And our uh, sponsors were connecting to police in that time, which was probably something with KGB. I have no idea. But that's how they actually let the martial arts grow in Russia. And that's Mm. when my career took off. I really was like, I started working when I was 15. I started teaching um, school um, children like a year younger than I am. The funny part, I was very short, and my students were taller than I am, (laughs) <laughs> and not only that, they were just year different. They, they were spying on me when I was changing the clothes. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. oh no. I know so I was like a spy and a teacher and a companionship. It was a very interesting experience to start at fifteen years old teaching um, other children. Mm. But at that time I was very focused and serious and um my goal was to get to championship and, and I was yeah, I was in different kind of championships in in Russia. I don't remember exactly how medals I had. I had a lot of medals in Russia and so, uh, traveling to Europe and uh, competed in European championships and a World Championship. So that were I brought, I think one uh, first place, second place, uh, two first place, one second place in uh, Europe, and then second place and a third place from World championships.
0: Wow. So and. <laughs>
4: After that, I got tired of Russia. I said, that's it. You know, I got to go some other place after traveling around Europe. So I moved to Europe. I opened up my own school and federation, ITF Taekwondo in in Belgium. I Mm -hmm. had a team. We were competing and showing demonstrations around. And after that, I tried to raise money and bring the team to the level of world championship because I just got medals for, for Belgium. And I got Mm -hmm. a lot of negative response, like, oh, uh, martial Mm. arts is too aggressive. It's not for us. We can't put money in there and stuff like that. So I said, you know what? I'm going to Hollywood. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) So
4: I'm like, okay, I need to put this martial arts I have to the next level so I can at least do something about that. So when I got in uh, California, I look at martial arts. I was very disappointed because the politics and belt system. And I said, you Mm -hmm. know what? i can do something about it so i went to films and uh, my main uh, concentration till now is uh, action and acting so after that it started developing to film fighting on camera <laughs> and uh, right now i am pursuing that in full speed so <laughs> that's it <laughs>
2: oh very cool very you know inga you shouldn't feel bad about uh your students being bigger than you because you know Rosie's in her forties.
1: she's got, got ten-year-olds that <laughs> are taller than she is. Shut up, Bob.
2: <laughs> you. Knew, when Inga said that, you knew somebody I, like me was going to
0: say something.
1: That's right. I you know, I, Inga. I was going to say, I know exactly how you feel because I'm only five one. And uh, everybody. Exactly like me. (laughs) Yeah, and everybody. Ten-year-olds, no joke. The ten-year-olds are taller than me.
4: Um,
1: (laughs) Oh, man. You know what's...
4: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What's funny about it, my uh, my son is 15, and he's uh, way taller than I am. And every time yeah. he looked at me from up down, he said, "Mom, you're short." I'm like, "I know, <laughs> no, Mom, you are really short." I'm like, "Mom, I'm still growing, so you, I mean it. You are really, really short." <laughs> I'm like,
1: "Whatever, I am.
4: What can I do?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: That's funny. Now, how, how, that long, how long did your How long was was your school in operation in Belgium before you came over to California? Um.
4: I would try to count, but I don't. I'm not sure I'm good at math to know exactly. Maybe between nine and ten years, I stand in in Belgium.
0: Mm-hmm. I had my
4: federation in school. Um, it was some time that I opened it up. I don't remember. It was, I think 2002. I opened up federation and became ITF uh, president of ITF Taekwondo in Belgium. But that mm-hmm. time the politics was split in different directions. General Ch- Choi died, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, there was a three big federations, North Korean, European, and his son's federation, and that that kind of threw off a lot of people from being together and bringing some beauty of Taekwondo and martial arts into the world, but they start to fighting for the power. And that's mm-hmm. when I, I decided not to do because they want me to be in a women's committee and be responsible for some politics and women in martial arts, But because of that argue between federations and between each other and after that of General Choi, uh, it was no more love to each other. It was no more as as a whole team. It was all separate. I decided not to deal with politics. It's something that um, I I don't know. I don't want to deal with. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Did I
1: answer your question? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you did. You you did. Thank you. (laughs) Well, see,
2: I've got a question for Jeff because he you know, he's been around so long, been through the circuit, and you know, Jeff Ingan mentioned politics in California, which politics over here in the martial arts is horrible. And you've been, I'm sure, you've been through the whole gambit and you've seen the evolution because you've gone all over the world. Uh, <laughs> what's the politics? <laughs> see, I knew I was going to get a laugh out of you when I started this. <laughs> what, what do you think about the politics?
5: Well, uh, and the amazing thing about the politics is that I've been probably at the, at, in the very beginning when politics first started because, you know, back in the 60s, there wasn't really politics. It was just going to a tournament and, and fighting and competing against everybody. And, and of course, the larger the sport became, you know, in, in 1970 when I moved to Washington, D.C., uh, uh, to work for Grandmaster Reed, uh, I was running all of his schools and I was his senior vice president, chief instructor. And, uh, we had 12 schools. So we had a team that was traveling all over the country and, uh, competing against, uh, you know, the top teams. And as more schools and more, uh, areas started to have tournaments and now there was magazines with rating systems and, and, uh, a couple different uh, associations back then but uh, there was still even back then there was about a dozen big national tournaments so uh when you came to the to the national tournaments back in the the uh, uh 60s and 70s uh mm-hmm. the politics wasn't as strong the bigger the tournament the less politics could play into it and what I found is the smaller the tournament you went to, then the more you got uh, wrapped up in local uh, politics. Mm-hmm. But on a larger scale, when you brought in all these top masters that were judging these events, you know, you had Ed Parker and June Ree and Kiwon Kim and you had Chuck Norris and Pat Johnson and uh, all these people that had been around competing and Joe Lewis and and people like that, and and uh, Joe Lewis at the time when I was, uh, you know, in my uh, competitive career had already retired by 1970. And after meeting him in the early 70s and working out with him, I actually talked him back into competition. So that's how he got back into competition. He was judging some of my matches in Ocean City. Uh, Maryland, Bob Maxwell, had one of the first professional uh, karate championships where they actually gave money. And uh, so he decided, uh, you know, after coming to train with me, that we went to a couple other tournaments. Mike Anderson had big tournaments. And and, uh, Mike Anderson and Joe Lewis were two of the first pioneers to actually put this whole sport of full contact or kickboxing, as they call it now, in America. In mm-hmm. 1974, uh, they put together the first professional association that actually recognized international championships uh, for uh, becoming real-world titles and putting it on a on a world scale with uh, televised uh, broadcasts. Mm-hmm. And it was broadcast on the wide world of sports. So you could say at that point when they got that much publicity, and they started the PKA, and of course in the first world championships, they had Asia, Europe, Canada, Mexico all represented with, uh, with a a great cast. And uh, when the smoke cleared, uh, Joe Lewis won the heavyweight division, uh, I won the light heavyweight, and Bill Wallace won the middleweight, and Isaiah Stuenas from Mexico City won mm-hmm. the lightweight Uh, because our favored lightweight Howard Jackson, had uh, a previous injury a few months before, and uh, he wasn't at 100%, or most people thought he uh, would have been the the hands-on favorite. So Mm -hmm. that's what you could say. uh, I mark as the real starting of politics, because soon after the PKA, then there was the WKA, and then Mm -hmm. there was other sanctioning bodies that started doing their own version of world championships. But PKA was the first. They were the original that stood for professional karate association. And Mike Anderson, uh, started that association with Joe Lewis. And, uh, later on, uh, Joe Corley got involved and started, uh, getting even more TV involved in it. And it really, uh, opened up the sport and laid the base and the foundation even for what's now considered MMA because
0: mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm.
5: before that before that 1974 first world championships there was uh they were doing point karate and if you actually hit the guy too hard you got disqualified
0: mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you
5: could you could say that uh the reason kickboxing came to America and was able to Uh, take that world stage was because of Grandmaster Jun Re invention of the protective foam gear. So we used that equipment for a couple years before the PKA came, uh, uh, evolved into kickboxing. In our point matches, we we started hitting harder and harder and with the pads, you were landing some pretty solid blows. I know Mm -hmm. when I when i fought in ed parker's internationals back in 1974 that was uh my last uh, point tournament before i went into the pka uh, full contact and uh at that tournament uh it was the first time that he had ever used the protective gear in his tournament and uh, i ended up uh, winning the grand championship and of course. I brought all that equipment from Washington, D.C. I had to carry it on the plane. I had boxes (laughs) and boxes of that stuff because nobody had it. So he said if I would bring the gear for people to use, then he would allow them to wear it. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, When we
5: got there, a lot of people hadn't seen it before. So he then said, okay, some can wear it. You can wear it if you want to. You don't have to. But in the finals, Mm -hmm. the grand champion matches when Howard uh, Jackson and Darnell Garcia and John DeTibadette and all the top fighters Mm -hmm. were wearing it, then it really started the catalyst of this protective gear. And then that evolved into Mike Anderson and Joe Lewis saying, hey, we've got to get these guys in ropes in a boxing ring so they don't fall off the stage and they don't, you know, get hurt. But we can actually showcase something to a knockout. And so the rules were very stringent back then because mm-hmm. to get on TV, boxing was the dominant sport on TV
1: and they mm-hmm. didn't
5: allow blows below the belt. So if we came in there and we were kicking legs and we were kicking below the belt, then the American public, the sponsors weren't going to buy that. So They had to be very clean on the rules. Everything had to be above the belt. So that's how that all started uh, Mm. back in 1974. And then as it became, you know, everything starts and it starts evolving, and the politics start evolving.
0: Mm -hmm. And the
5: board of the contact, well, then uh, uh, other associations, as people got used to people getting knocked out and kicked in the head and people falling out and...
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they you know
5: Before they weren't used to seeing that. So now they're used to that. So now that becomes commonplace. So now a kick to the leg doesn't seem so violent anymore. And so the WKA started allowing more leg kicks than below the belt kicks. So that became another sanctioning body. And so there was always a controversy of which association was the best. And a lot of fighters fought in both associations. So you know some of those top fighters back then, but you could say that was the catalyst and the beginning of the of the full contact and the political theme because uh people had so much to gain from a certain association, you know if that's my association, not me as a fighter, but the people running the associations, they want to see their people win so mm-hmm. If you weren't in that association and you tried to come in like uh she was explaining about going to California, well you have all these different associations in California, different sanctioning bodies for the sport karate uh tournaments. You have the traditional you know, like the ITF and the Olympic style, you have uh Nasca, you have uh these other sanctioning bodies for different types of uh point fighting systems and they all want their people, or they think their people are the best. Or you could say say they know those fighters better, so when somebody comes in from another association, they don't know who they are, so they don't think they should win, so they don't look, I don't think, as closely as to them. So anytime you go into a new environment, you have to sway the judges by really dominating the field so much that Mm -hmm. uh, they be, they get to know who you were, and uh, in my point fighting days, I was able to travel in Canada, all over California, the Midwest, Texas, Florida, Atlanta, up the East Coast through New England. So I fought in so many different tournaments that uh, the politics of the top competitors, because the judges knew them, they didn't get a you know a rough a deal as somebody coming in knew that that somebody didn't know and when our european fighters would come over it would be much harder for them to win just like when we would go to europe to compete uh when we first started competing in europe and that was uh one of uh mike anderson's uh first uh, uh international uh competitions uh mm-hmm. he started he started back then before he started the pka uh, and now the the sanctioning bodies back then, nobody knew uh, the point style of fighting. So it was introduced mm-hmm. to Europe in the early 70s. And Bill Wallace and Joe Lewis and I went over and and Howard Jackson and uh, Al Dukovkas and a lot of mm-hmm. these other fighters. And we traveled to all these different countries and competed against their fighters and the Shinkai the Taekwondo guys, there was, uh, you know, the Chinese style. So all those styles were competing together. And Mm -hmm. so Europe started putting together a sanctioning body. body. And uh, that's how the martial arts and point fighting started over there. And then eventually they followed our suit of the full contact. And then we started uh, doing full contact events over there. And as the political scene expanded, other associations started doing theirs in Europe, and so all of a sudden now we have a tremendous uh, assortment of associations and different styles of fighting. You know, they have mm-hmm. the ground fighting, the stand-up fighting. Uh, There's so many different uh, associations now that uh, mm-hmm. they each have their own uh Fan base, and right now it looks like UFC has a big jump start on everybody for most of those mm-hmm. but glory glory is making a big headway and there's other uh, associations that are coming along too that are you know and and the pendulum has been swinging back and forth from the dominant of the ground fighting it first started the domination of the stand-up fighters and then when the UFC mm-hmm. came and introduced more ground fighting. Well, nobody had done ground fighting, so the ground fighters started dominating. Well, as the stand-up fighters started learning more ground fighting and the ground fighters started learning more stand-up fighting, now all of a sudden uh, it was a more even uh, match. And Mm -hmm. uh, depending on how good your defense was, if you were a ground fighter, but you had a good defense, like the Gracies against stand-up fighters, then mm-hmm. you could have a big advantage. If the stand-up fighter had a good ground defense, uh, like a Chuck Liddell in the early days, where mm-hmm. not many people could take him down, so he would end up knocking him out before they took him down.
0: Mm-hmm. And
5: <laughs> so the sport has evolved, and I think uh, it depends on what your background in the martial arts is. Uh, the guys who have a background in judo or jiu-jitsu or uh, a wrestling background are going to favor the ground style of fighting. And the guys mm-hmm. who have, uh, you know, their base in boxing or, or kickboxing or taekwondo or traditional martial arts, they're going to favor the more stand up. But uh, what it really boils down to is nowadays, to be a fighter in any of those kind of associations, you have to be well rounded, you have to be well versed in all styles. And develop a defense and an offense that will uh, incorporate all those styles, or you're not going to be a dominant fighter. You'll you'll have a, a very uh, you know a record uh, that was you'll, you'll go through a, a, a few wins and then you'll run into a certain style of fighter. And then once they know you have that weakness or they expose that weakness, if you don't get it fixed, <laughs> then you're going to be losing a lot. And that's why. You saw a lot of the UFC fighters that were doing real well, and all of a sudden somebody beat them, and you'd go like, "Wow, I was so surprised that they got beat." Well, now they would lose two or three in a row because now somebody exposed their weakness. So that's right. uh, the the game nowadays is you can't have any weaknesses. You have to have a good strong ground game, a good stand up game, good puncher, good kicker, you know, g- good submission techniques, and. uh, you know, you always had to have endurance, but now there was a there's a lot more that goes into it because the rules have expanded so much, and uh, right. with so many with so many associations and so many so much politics going on, it's even the UFC guys when they go over to Glory, you know they're going to be a little harder on them, and the guys that are in Glory if they go over to UFC they're going to be a little harder
0: on them. So
5: it just takes a, a more dominant type of fighter when you go element. Uh, mm-hmm. To really uh, win. But uh, what I usually have found in the martial arts is that the cream rises to the top. And your best mm-hmm. fighters, no matter where they're going to go, uh, if they uh, stick to their game and, and develop a well rounded defense and offense and incorporate of a lot of styles, they're going to be top fighters no matter what association they go to. For some of them, it might take them a little bit longer. If they go too far out of their element, but uh, eventually I, f- I feel they all, the champion is going to rise to the top.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it was funny. I was texting James Wilson, going, "James, this is so cool. We're getting a a, les- a, a history lesson from one of the guys. Les- right. <laughs> this, this guy That's is right. like <laughs> Hutton. When he talks, you listen, right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> well,
1: well,
5: you know. And the thing about Jim, is, of course, with his brother Don, was right there, and uh, you know, he, him, uh, you know, his whole career coming up through the kickboxing ranks and all." So he he got a ringside – Jim got a ringside seat to all this stuff as it was progressing. And uh, Don Wilson was – he wasn't in the first generation, but he was the second wave after Bill Wallace and Joe Lewis and I. And, uh, you know, he was the next wave of the dominant fighters that came along with Johnny Cario and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, people like that uh, after the first wave – Came out. There was a, a few dominant fighters, and and Don Wilson was one of them. And and of course, uh, Don has even uh, catapulted even farther beyond the ring, and uh, made uh, made it into the martial arts uh, movie industry. Like a, a lot of our our uh, martial artists have tried to do in the past. Chuck Norris made a good go at it, but you know, Jackie Chan and Jet Li and and people like that have uh, have kept that movie industry moving and uh, uh I'm so glad to see a real martial arts fighter like Don Wilson who's able to turn that movie career Cynthia Rothrock is another one who was a great martial arts competitor in both forms and fighting and was mm-hmm. able to turn that in and both uh, Don and Cynthia have been doing tremendous amount uh, of movies and And, of course, uh, I just filmed one with them uh, earlier this year, The Martial Arts Kid, uh, which I was very excited about because there was so many people. And and they went back and got a lot of the martial arts people, Bill Wallace and Christine Bannon Rodriguez and Orlando Rivera and Alan Goldberg, and uh, they they brought these people in uh, to make it a realistic martial arts movie with real martial artists. But then brought a a great message of uh, anti-bullying and and the whole theme of the movie, which we know in this country is a a big uh, problem in a lot of schools with these shootings that we have and the intimidation that some of these kids have gone through for years without surfacing and really uh, uh, analyzing the psychological impact of that over the long term that it has uh, really been a major problem in this country for some time that we haven't even been aware of and just in the last few years started surfacing and uh school systems doing more about it so i was glad glad to see jim wilson uh along with his brother bringing a movie like this uh to the to the screen that has such an important message uh about this anti bullying
0: yeah. and
5: uh so it's it's movies like that that impact the martial arts in a a positive way it's not just the you know the the action where they're fighting and killing people and you know and it's usually a drug theme or that type of thing so i don't think that all the martial arts movies always show such a positive image but I still like to watch them because I love to watch the action. (laughs) But it's great when you can get something that combines all, includes great martial artists, and you have great martial artists that are behind the scenes that are producing the movie. And, Mm. uh, you know, when you have people like that, Cheryl Wheeler uh, is uh, one of the producers too. So when you have real martial artists producing it and they have a real positive theme uh that's going to help kids i think the movie uh after watching the filming and, I, and and again i haven't of course had early release in 2015 and i think uh the trailers are just now coming out if uh, uh they had a couple uh screenings of the the previews of them and uh if people watch their internet facebook and stuff they can probably catch it some clips but uh, the whole message of it, I think is going to be going to have a major impact on uh, bullying in this country. So, you know. Uh, oh, to yeah, I I and, agree. And, so Jim,
2: yeah. and a number of the, the actors you'd mentioned, Orlando Rivera, you know, Matthew Zip, all those guys have all been guests on the show. Now, I want to get back to Inga for a second. Inga, you're a high-ranking taekwondo practitioner. Uh, have you seen an evolution from the time you started to now in the training and teaching of uh, Taekwondo, both in the U.S. and
4: abroad. Is that a question for me? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh
2: y- yeah, Yes, it is.
4: Um, then I I missed it. Can you repeat, please? Absolutely.
2: Uh, I was wondering, because you're a high-ranking, uh, you're f- fifth in Taekwondo, and you've traveled all over the world. If you've noticed an evolution of the training and the training methods, from the time you began until now, either in the U.S. and uh, abroad in Europe and so forth.
4: Yes, absolutely. Um, I can see difference um, from the those teachers and grandmasters and masters that I learned when I was young, and uh, martial arts and general were, were like a um, very based on foundation and always had that secret art about it that was very very appreciated mm-hmm. and then when we my my time when we started getting into martial arts it was so interesting so fascinating crazy stuff it became more competitive so we got our our time we got more in competition oh who is best and you know done um mm-hmm. when i traveled to america most i started to recognize i saw more uh, movement towards making money, advertisement. And it's not anymore about who is best or the art. And most of the time, uh, it's rare when we still have the art in it and still have mm-hmm. that um, basic beauty of martial arts. So it's turned more into commercial. That's what mm-hmm. I see right now. Um, and there probably will be next level um a lot of people trying to return back or bring back where it started, where it just started to flowering around and um
0: mm-hmm.
4: but i I'm thinking theres some other way that it will turn on a basis um a, a, like action workout or activity mm-hmm. for the people because martial arts becoming in not only into it's merging not only into martial arts um fighting and um like kicking techniques but also mm-hmm. as well as into to ritual growth and that's what I see the next level for martial arts it turns into mm-hmm. more take care of your body be able mm-hmm. to. Do some le- high level of um, exercises as well as be able to recover and heal yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: so I think that's where it's all turning. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, do you, do you, uh, when you were learning, Inga, um, mm-hmm. were you um, were you learning all those fancy tricks that you see a lot of Taekwondo players doing now? You know, like the seven hundred and twenty degree. You know, spinning hook kick to a round kick to a outside cristic. You know those those multiple board breaks that that just look like acrobatics. Were you, were you doing that, or was it more of a like a traditional taekwondo that you were learning? Uh,
4: probably what you're saying, because um, I don't remember us being competing for who gonna do crazy breaking with the two fingers mm-hmm. i think we were more fascinated <laughs> of how you can be how high you can kick and jump you know how cool you look and most of that how you also can my reason was to protect myself most i was like i want to make sure i can you know mm-hmm. <laughs> be strong in difficult situations so mm-hmm. and uh that's where well, I was, and in the beginning, uh, I was competing with the guys a lot and trying to run like they do and fight with them and mm-hmm. jump over a lot of people. And then later on, um, I got fascinate- fascinations from form first and later from mm-hmm. sparring. So, and that kind of developed me and grow into the different levels. So, but I'm still fascinating of people that do jumping and double, triple kicks in the air and mm-hmm. stuff and... I will always look at them. I'm like, I can jump, but my um, some parts of my body a little too heavy to jump and stay in the air that long. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to myself, it doesn't matter what I do; it's still there. I can't get rid of it, and you know, so I need to concentrate on beauty of movements and uh, <laughs> uh, knowledge of uh, experience and understanding on a different level and be smart right. in movements. You know, than trying to compete with someone or something or do something that I'm not. You know. Yeah, so, yeah. That's not going to happen. Gravity exactly. is too
1: strong. Yeah, because you oh, know, sometimes funny. on YouTube, on YouTube, I see these, you know, young men and women, you know, just take a running start and they quadruple kicks, you know, ta 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 ta, you know, with these with these boards like ten, fifteen feet in the air, and I go. Oh my gosh, that's it's incredible and I love watching it. Um, but I'm, I I tend to be um very much, Hello. I I tend to like seeing the Hello. Okay. I yeah, tend to yeah. like seeing the I tend to like seeing the uh the art part of it but wow you know I wish I was I wish I was still young enough to be able to kick like that. So,
4: <laughs> well, yeah I know uh, you know it's it's yeah. beautiful. Um I also love yeah. it and I'm fascinating. I had an idea before uh to make a show for very special talented people like that and just show them to the world. That that's one of my ideas, to do a show like that. It was that's fascinating Great. of those people that can do, I know, it's also, uh, you know, I'm thinking because we always want to be better. If we start going on specific paths, especially like art path, doesn't matter if it's music or martial arts, we're always trying to be better and better and better. And if mm-hmm. it doesn't happen now, we wish for it for the future. And then it doesn't happen to us, we wish for others. And that's how all humanity starts to try more and more and more and we get higher level all the time. Because before, I wasn't even thinking it was possible to jump like that and run and do crazy stuff. But (laughs) as more we open up, as more we grow and believe that it exists, believe that we can do it, as more we start seeing that. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, those guys they can jump up there in, in somewhere in the sky, and I'm okay uh, sitting in my meditation and being peace and have my fight scenes mm-hmm. inside of my head. So,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. right, <Yeah. laughs> awesome. Well, well Rouchy, we, have we have a someone caller on the line. Yeah, we have someone on the line, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and take a wild guess as to who this might be. I think we might have Mr. Don Wilson on the line with us. Don, is this you?
3: Yeah, it is. Uh Woo-hoo! Uh, it's to listen to everybody talk. <laughs>
1: right on. How you doing, Don?
3: <laughs> Very good. Hey, Jeff, thanks for the plug. And uh, it was great working with you, and we're going to have to do it more often because you're a natural.
5: <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate that. Coming from you, uh, that's a, a major compliment. Thank you, Don.
3: Well, thank you for being part of the uh, Martial Arts Kid, because uh, as you said, it is a martial art film made by oh. martial artists, which is... Uh, not the normal Hollywood way. You know, normally it would be a producer and he'd pick the script and, and that's why you have so many just hardcore R rated action films with martial arts. Uh this one we wanted to be a family oriented film with a good positive message and I and I think we accomplished it.
5: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I feel.
3: Yeah, the director did a great job. He's also the writer, uh, Michael Baumgarten and um he's uh you know, really talented. I've known him for many years, uh for twenty years. This is the first time we've actually—he's uh, actually directed me in a film, though. But uh, I've known him for 20 years, and and uh, you know he's a friend of my brothers, and it was my brothers and Cheryl's brainstorm to make this family-oriented anti-bullying film, and and um, I, I'm hoping everybody uh, supports it
2: when it comes out next year.
1: I so can't wait. <laughs> hey, can't
2: hey, wait. hey Don, does, does Michael have a uh, martial arts background of any kind? No,
3: he does not. My, Michael is a uh, screenwriter who predominantly wrote comedies, actually, and uh, kind of like family stories and comedies. And he uh, just kind of adapted. I guess when you're a talented writer, you can do the
2: adapts, adapting to uh, martial art action.
6: Well,
3: see, I heard
2: wonderful things from all you guys about how well Michael did. He was really able to adapt from his background and take it to the martial arts realm and, and direct mm-hmm. a film of this magnitude with so many talented individuals.
0: hmm well, you know uh,
2: the uh, fight action was uh, pretty much um, choreographed and arranged
3: and 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 uh, supervised. I could say directed by uh, James Lu.
2: And you know, I know. One, of
3: one, center, you got, got one of those nobodies the
2: to choreograph the fights, right? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you got one of those nobodies to choreograph the fights. One of those unknown?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, he normally
3: works with uh, studios, the studios, the A-listers, so. That should tell you something about
0: James Liu's uh, you know, level of ex- ex- expertise.
5: Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's great. It's always great to have a, a great martial artist like James Liu uh, actually directing it rather than just somebody who's a, a Hollywood stunt person who doesn't have a yeah. real uh, martial arts background like James. So when you get somebody of that caliber of martial arts who is also a great choreographer, uh, it's just, that's why he's been so successful and, it was such a, a great opportunity. I, I was so glad uh, he was uh, in the, uh, you know, choreographing uh, the the scenes in the movie.
3: Yeah, he's been in the business for thirty years, as I have. My first film was nineteen eighty two. So uh, we've both been, we've got sixty years, and Cynthia has been in for thirty years. And I don't want to sound like we're a bunch of old, old codgers, <laughs> but we've got a lot of experience. And um, you know, I'm hoping everybody appreciates what what we did with this film.
5: Well I Indeed, know I did yeah.
3: and I, I'm sure the audience uh,
5: you know, especially with the message that it gets across, it's not just the uh, martial artist that you had in it but the uh, the whole message. You know, there's there's been mm-hmm. a lot of action martial arts movies but I don't think we've had one with this kind of message uh ever in the martial arts with something that is relevant now as this uh this whole anti-bullying uh campaign mm-hmm. that's going on because of all the bullying that's really been going on and it happens everywhere in the United States not mm-hmm. just uh in some major cities with bad crime rate. this is something that happens all over of middle America uh and the the bigger cities and every high school and junior high and elementary so uh, uh it's yeah i think gonna
3: going to be a big big impact yeah this this will help this will help because the martial arts one of the the issues that we were uh, pushing the themes we were pushing was you when you learn martial arts it's not just about how to punch or kick it's about the Mm -hmm. right time to use the martial arts and of course the two times you use martial arts is to defend yourself and to defend others and what we're finding out is the reason why bullying continues is the people around, like there'll be a crowd of mm-hmm. people around a bully and, and a victim. The people around the bully do
5: nothing to stop him. They, exactly. they feel like, it, it, the, the feeling is, it's not my business. They mm-hmm. don't want to be involved. And because they look the other way, that allows the bully to get away with it. Now, what they've learned is, if one person steps
3: in and just steps in to stand up for the the victim... In most cases, the bullying ends. They stop. Mm-hmm. It is the very fact that we've become, I think, a society of bystanders. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they're not, they, what is it, I'm not my brother's keeper. They they don't believe it's their place to step in and protect somebody. And that's the first thing you learn in martial arts is the proper time to use it is to defend yourself and to defend others. So this, mm-hmm. this, this is the only two times to punch or kick somebody. Right? I think, Jeff, you would agree. Is there any other reason to punch a kid in the
5: head? Well, and and the major thing that you said there, Don, that is so important is as we train more martial artists and train them in anti-bullying, how to defeat the bully, how to keep the bully at bay, uh, as they understand when it's their time to step in, see, what happens is in a lot of these cities and and schools – there's not anybody who is a martial arts savvy black belts, you know, uh, even to this day. You know, you've got some people that might have taken a few lessons or got a couple belts but really don't know how to defend themselves. What we need to do is to create our army of black belts who become our bully defeaters. And they're the ones that are going to wow. stand up for those kids because there's mm-hmm. not one kid who's a black belt that – doesn't have enough confidence to stand up for somebody like that. But somebody Mm -hmm. who just trained a little bit, they're a little insecure. So that's why it's very critical that, you know, all these martial arts schools are sending out the correct message. And, uh, uh, you know, this whole martial arts training in our country has taken a big turn in its evolution uh, because now it has gone Uh, full circle and gotten away from strictly the fighting in the early 60s and and 70s to now becoming more of a character development where we're, you know, really talking about developing leaders now and we're teaching them how to have uh, public speaking where they can project and become leaders. And we're Mm -hmm. finding, you know, a lot of my students have graduated now from Annapolis, one of them is a commander at the Navy uh, Salvage Diving Team, Commander Cal. Hung Cal is the third-degree black belt of ours who graduated, went on to Annapolis, is now a head of the world's largest uh, diving school. We had another black belt of ours who graduated from Annapolis, number one in his class, his senior class. Well, when you have these kind of people that have done, studied martial arts, start impacting our full society as they reach the upper levels when they become congressmen, when they become senators. Now we have a different level of background of leadership training from an early age. Well, we develop enough of those, we won't have those bullies because they will be afraid to step out and say anything because they know there's black belts around to defeat them. And that's why This movie, I think, is going to open the eyes of a lot of people to encourage them. See, when when a child doesn't have a way to stand up to the bully, when he thinks there's no hope, that's what the problem is. Once he realizes, and I think this movie, uh, it's so important to get this movie out to everybody, so it really needs to be a mainstream movie, you know, that hits all of these uh, markets. So that see that there is a way with today's environment, not an old-timey movie about something that happened a long time ago, but with mm-hmm. today's problems, today's situations, where they can relate on that level, I think it's mm-hmm. going to really have a major impact. It's going to be a biggest box office that's going to have as much impact or more than the original Karate Kid, than the Ninja Turtles. And I don't I don't think either one of those movies, even though they were great, I don't think the message they delivered was even as good as the one that Don has in his movie. No, because those well, movies are uh, all about, like, revenge. You
0: know, I, I used not <laughs> call
3: it my movie, though. It's, it's more my brother's movie and Cheryl Wheeler's movie and Michael Baumgartner. I am, I'm, 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 you know, our supporting staff, and, um, you know, Jensen Panettiere and Kevin um, uh, Newton and uh, Matthew Zip, they're, they're the real stars, kids to the stars. Me and Cynthia Rod-Rod-Rod, we'll back up. <laughs> well,
0: so
5: when when we have somebody, when we have somebody like Don Wilson that is the spokesperson for it. I mean, with your martial arts background, it's great to have you at the forefront. But uh, as we all know, uh, you know, you wouldn't have been where you were today if you didn't have those people in the background that were really making you and Cynthia rise to the top like you have.
3: Yeah, of course. Now we we had the martial arts of the community, and just as Chuck Norris did, if you remember,
0: uh, exactly. see Chuck
3: Norris and me and Cynthia, we were well-known before we did movies, Whereas these other guys, nothing against get, Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme, but they were not known around the world as accomplished martial artists before they started doing movies.
2: After, after and that, they did the movies, they got known. That,
5: that's correct.
2: That's very true, very true. Now, Inga, how did you break into the martial arts kid? Uh, Did you know somebody? Did you have to audition? Uh, How did you get into it?
4: Well, uh, we have friends for a long time with Don and James. By the way, (laughs) hi, Don. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) Inga. And um, also a lot of my friends and... um, even uh, Michael, we were working on a, another project before we started Martial Arts Kids. So I was already involved on that level. Plus, I graduated from a film school and I had my idea about production and stuff. So we talked about that with Michael in the beginning about other the project. And so, and when um, everything started taking off, then I got the role, which was it, 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 it's awesome role because I'm playing bad girl, and um, I had a big <laughs> fight with Cynthia. <laughs> And you know funny, I wanna I wanna take a little back in this conversation because um uh, gentlemen were talking about bullies and i I was thinking and I, you know what I'm saying I'm gonna say this. I know I was bully in this film, but that's that's what the problem is. The bullies need the most love. They need the most love ever because they never receive love in their life and that's why they're trying to get that by force from others. So here I really? am. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying like, yeah, we need to have more love. <laughs> well, that's how uh, great of
5: that's how great of actor you are, uh, because nobody would have imagined you as a bully, and you pull right. that off so well that you might even be getting an Academy Award
0: for this one. <laughs> 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 well, you know what funny
4: was because I, everybody knows me like this. Little smiley girl hugging everyone, sending love to all the world. And then um, I start to kick ass, and everybody, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, my great friend, Grandmaster Eric Lee said one time after I did demonstration, he's like, yeah, and this is Inga from Russia with love. <laughs> 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 and then I asked uh, James King James Wilson came to me. He's like, "Oh my gosh, he was so mad. It was just like, wow, so much anger." And I'm like, "Is that bad? Is it too bad?" He's like, "No, no, 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 no love <laughs> it." I'm like, "Oh my goodness." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how many,
1: how many of of all of the, the the so many legends of martial arts in this show? Now, how many of the, how many of these people were actually bullies in the cast? Does, it, does anyone know? Good any
0: question. <laughs> yeah. Well, good, good bunch.
4: Good group.
0: I mean, we did not like, like a dance
4: me. or so. <laughs> so yeah, I, I felt like we had the power on our side. That's what I felt. I'm sorry, but it was like really strong group. <laughs> we were even, even dancing some uh, uh, Aboriginal dance from Australia. I don't know, but oh. it was awesome. <laughs> cool. It, it was <laughs> I think I felt like it was a more bad guys than the good guys. I mean in film. Well and it was Joe. really funny.
2: You you guys are such great actors. You know i I had Matt we had Matthew on the show. We met him at Dragonfest and he is such a nice kid.
0: And mm-hmm. he plays yeah. this bully
2: in your movie. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, you
0: know everyone
1: was, was such, such a sweet people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's just so, it's it just it tells the skill of not only the, the actors as martial artists, but as actors. Because, you know, when when Bob and I met you, Inga, at the uh, uh, at Dragon Fest and at mm-hmm. the Martial Arts History Museum Awards, I wouldn't have, you know, I mean, I knew you were on the cast, but I'm like, oh, she's probably she's probably one of the, you know, heroes. Girlfriend. Or you know? Yeah, a girlfriend <laughs> or, you know, a good person, right? When you said that you Hello, were a bully, yeah. I was like... When you said you were a bully, I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> wow!" So yeah, it's, that's Yeah, awesome. what a cute
0: little right. little bully, right? Yeah. You know what say? Academy. Academy little, what, yeah, awards. <laughs> can you say
5: Academy Awards? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right, that's right. You gotta watch out for the that that's little funny. one. You know that's <laughs> yeah,
5: that's one. That's when they always get nominated when they're in a role that is so different from their character and they pull it off so well. See, that's mm-hmm. what really makes them stand out as what a great actor. You know, when somebody okay, okay. playing their how,
4: how do you know I don't have another side? Maybe I'm just good at <laughs> hiding. <laughs> well, the,
5: well, then you're even even—you're an even better actor then.
4: Okay, Thank you. Oh, my God, I'm joking, but thank you. Uh, All uh, right. so, well, yeah, In like, fact, it
2: was <laughs> it was uh, Michael Matsuda that told me that you were in a fight scene at the hotel where Dragon Fest was with Cynthia. That he yeah. broke up. That was his one scene.
1: Oh. <laughs> right on. Right on. Well, I don't, you know, it looks like we have another caller, and this is a caller yeah. from area Go code on. 818. I'm have to take off. I'm going to take
5: off.
0: Goodbye, Jeff. Goodbye, you guys. Bye Don.
5: Goodbye, bye, Don. Bye, Don. Bye, bye Don. Take care, John, Don. Okay. okay <laughs> see Thanks. you, Don. Bye-bye. You bye.
1: Bye. All right, we have another call from area code 818. 818, are you there? Who are we talking with? <laughs>
3: You, that was my brother that just got off the phone. <laughs> yes, know, like, yeah, <laughs> yep. I was like,
1: James, we have James Wilson yeah. on the line with
0: us. Right on. <laughs> Hi, Bob, oh cool, right on. Right. Hey, Hi. Hi James. Hey, <laughs> <Good>. hey
3: James. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh Bob and Rosita? Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you remember I, I had talked to you before about that big scene where we had where we used the uh the helicopter overhead. Oh
1: yeah, right oh, yeah. Right? yeah.
3: Yeah, and that's the scene that Jeff is in, the one
1: mm-hmm. where we
3: wanted to honor all, all champions and and true masters of the martial arts. And, of course, mm-hmm. Jeff was an easy pick as one of the guys to have up there, you know. Right. So we were really <laughs> proud of the group that we had up there. But they actually, because those are such accomplished people and such good people, you know, that we, you know, we just felt really good about that scene. And having them up there representing, you know, the, the real deal, so to speak. Mm hmm. You know? Well, I so, appreciate the kind words there, James. Well, it wasn't. And, and, and was it not cool seeing and, and all those kids from all those styles together show up like that? It was great. And the way that you worked
5: that into the movie was, uh, it just fit in really well, too. You know, uh, uh, you had it called, you called it the Master Spring Seminar, where we had, uh, all these martial arts come together, which uh, happens a lot in real life. So it was actually, you know, quite accurate with the way it was with uh, the grandmasters overseeing the seminar and making sure the black belts were teaching the students properly. So, uh, you know, my my uh, hat off to the, uh, the director of the scene, but also for the writer for, uh, you know,
3: writing the script out that way. And, of course, uh,
0: for, for James...
3: Director and writer. Oh, great! But uh, you know, as Don mentioned, Michael had no martial arts experience. So he, but he's a quick study. But he, you know, but having Don, myself, Cynthia, and Cheryl, um, you know, kind of directing him on all things martial arts, and then James Liu, he, Mike was very smart about this because he he basically said, James Liu is gonna, you know, tell me how to do these fight scenes. And this is why we don't have crazy stuff, you know, <laughs> in, our, in our fight scene. you know, because it's not some director trying to be creative, you know. So the, all the no. fight scenes in, in this film look real. And as a matter of fact, talking about fight scenes, um, uh, Inga there, who's a sweet person, Yeah. Jay's the meanest person in the movie, I think. (laughs) (laughs) See, I
0: told you. Everyone everyone
3: will hate (laughs) Inga. So she does does a great job.
4: Yeah, I was so sorry. Jane said, you know what, we love it. I'm like, really? (laughs) (laughs) You know... uh,
5: James, has everybody noticed how much James sounds like Don on the phone? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> you, you almost have to say now, Don, are you still on here pretending to be James, or is this? Days? <laughs> or was, that,
3: or was that James pretending to be Don? And uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody, you know, our own mother can't tell us apart on the phone. Sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, when you call, you have to say, "Hi mom, this is James," or "Hi mom, this is Don." Uh, I <laughs> do think Don talks faster than me and more than me,
0: though. <laughs>
4: oh, that's
2: the truth. I recognize by yeah, phone numbers. <laughs> I recognize the... by
4: by different um, different melody of the voice.
0: <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, just like little bit different, little bit. Yeah, I don't know, music stuff works. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well
3: hey, listen I, I Jeff and you guys, I want both of you guys to know that the film is looking really, really good, and um you know, and everything and Jeff, as Jeff said like that scene you'll be you'll really be impressed, Jeff, when you see exactly how we work it into the movie. it just oh, flows and fits, fits perfect to what's going on and very um cool. and, and well we're we're know, very excited we can't wait, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, gonna be, it's gonna be good, and um. I, I know this already, Jeff. That that scene on the stage that is part of the um, trailer that's coming out. Oh, great! You know, I, I haven't seen it all. It's actually being the trailer is being put together by Gorilla Pictures. And, you know, luckily we have a connection there because they actually do all the studio trailers. They do Disney's trailers for their movies. Oh, wow! Yeah, so it's um, very. It'll be. It'll look great, and it's very professional. Well, great. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, so that'll be out, well, here soon. We'll have it, you know, shown the first week of November. Oh, perfect. Sh- shortly, we'll put it up online shortly after that. So it's kind of debuting in two places. It'll be at uh, the AFM here in S- Santa Monica, American Film Market, and it'll be debuted at uh, an AMC theater in Times Square during the Urban Action Showcase. So, oh,
1: you know, great too.
3: Both, both within a couple of days of each other in New York and out here. Great, great. Nice. Very cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's all looking good right now. And, and uh, I, you know, have to thank people like Jeff and Inga who, who took part in it, and, you know, and really helped make, make it look good. And yep. you know, and, uh, and, of course, having people like that give us a lot of credibility, too. Well, I appreciate that I, I know I had a small part, but I'm very uh impressed with uh with all of
5: the people that you had in the movie it was really really a great cast and it it wasn't just the great martial artists you had in there but uh but the the stars that you had in uh that were, you know, Matthew and and all the other uh actors in there was was amazing. Matthew Catherine it was, was amazing. It was-
3: I mean, it, it was great. Yeah, Matthew is the other person everybody's going to (laughs) hate.
0: He's another
5: one that, and and I talked to him after, you know, like out of scene and stuff, and he's just the nicest guy. And you're Mm -hmm. going like, wow. You know, when you see him acting in there, you're going to go, man,
3: somebody needs to kick his ass. (laughs) (laughs) And our our star, Jensen Canateri, was fantastic. He actually, when he read for the part, he just blew everybody away and but you know he's an experienced guy but he, i mean he and he told us because he's a small guy for his age
0: uh-huh.
3: and he told us that you know he'd moved relocated several times and that that this character that he really wanted that role bad because he said he's lived this you know he's been he's been through that as a, as a new kid you know a small kid and uh, so you know he and he he nailed it he really did and then of course well, His love interest, uh, Catherine Newton, who's a who's a big star, you know. Her last two movies uh, grossed over three hundred million dollars. Wow! Yeah.
0: Wow! Yeah. yeah. She
3: did. She was mm-hmm. the star of Paranormal Activity four, and just before that, she did Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz. And uh, you know, and she had she's been on two TV series as a regular, so she's got tons of experience and did a great job. So we were just lucky with who we got, and and uh, uh, and, and TJ Storm was in it also, right? Mm-hmm. He was he, he did a good job. He is mm-hmm. fantastic. It doesn't hurt to have Godzilla as your bad guy, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> I almost forgot about
1: that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's it's what? so good to hear that everybody you know like came together and and worked so well together and. I, you know, me and Bob were just so excited for this movie to come out, and it's like, come on, we can't wait.
0: <laughs> I mean, even
5: even your composer uh, songwriter wasn't that uh, was that uh, Martin uh, Martin who uh, who who did uh, uh, Magic Mike, isn't that? Yep. And that was that was being considered for an Oscar,
0: I heard.
3: Yes, yes. It made it right down to exhaustive consideration. It made it to the last cut. And uh, that's the song Matthew McConaughey sang, that Martin wrote. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's terrific. Um, uh, The composer for our film does big, big movies. Um, You know, we have lots of original music, thanks to guys like that. And the cinematographer, Um, uh, isn't he the one that uh – uh
5: was, didn't he do the contender and uh
3: mm-hmm. come yeah so I mean,
5: yeah i i mean the the people that were on this was just amazing it's like one after the other you you yeah. keep hearing all these names and it's and their list of uh, uh of accomplishments it's it's quite impressive I, I think when uh when everybody sees the the real list of everybody that's in it—they're going to be amazed that y'all could get that many people together in, in one movie. Uh mm-hmm. It's very impressive.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, everybody—like you, both you guys know—everybody worked together well, even mm-hmm. when even when circumstances were tough. And Jeff's scene, for, for instance, was supposed to be shot outside at the port, Port Canaveral, and. Mm-hmm. The night before, we got the notice that it was going to storm, and as Jeff knows, it was right. Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> you had problems. Welcome to
5: Florida. It's always going to rain if
0: the storm right. and then it'll be
5: then it'll be sunny. You know, it'll storm for two or three hours, then it'll be sunny the rest of the day. But you never know, <laughs>
3: <laughs> right? So we, we actually got the auditorium we used, which was the Cocoa Beach Country Club, had that big auditorium, and they let us use it for free, and we got it within. Uh, you know, a couple hours of making the decision that there's no way we could do this outside scene in the storm, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and uh, so and, under and those it, terms, it, we still got everybody helped. there. Everybody worked together well,
5: and it, awesome. it helps that that was in your hometown, uh, so you knew everybody and you knew all the places to go and where to do it and where to film. And so, uh,
3: you mean it was it was a perfect match there?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was.
3: It really was. and they really came out to help. Um, Nothing like filming out here, by the way. (laughs) They made it much easier out there, to be honest, in in every way. The police volunteered, you know, to
0: work things with us. Hmm.
3: Whereas, you know, you got to pay them here for everything. Right. And um, Mm -hmm. like I said, the club gave us their auditorium free. Um, The pier, we got to shoot on the pier for free. Well, you know, it, it, wow. it was all—it was all just a lot of cooperation from the community. A great year.
1: That's good to be hear, because just you know sets, you know finding sets itself is expensive, isn't it? And then and then for the community to say, oh no, you can film here. That I mean, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Now we've only got about ten minutes left of our broadcast, so I want to take one last caller here. Um, area code three 937. 937, you're on Dynamic Dojo. Who's this?
0: Hey, hey, it's Wayne.
1: Hey, this is hey, Wayne. Sensei. Hey, Wayne. This is Sensei Wayne Riley from Ohio. Sensei Wayne, do you have a question hey, for Wayne. either... Jeff, or Inga, or James? I just,
0: you know, I just want to say I cannot, I cannot wait for this movie. I, I,
5: <laughs> you know, and, and I think we've talked about it every time I've, I've either been on the show or, or called in or whatever. We always end up talking about it at some point mm-hmm. or another. But yeah, this is this is going to be great. I mean, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I think all of us are. Me and Bob are like yeah. so excited. We're like, where is it going to be? I'll fly out to there cuz I want to want to see it.
0: <laughs>
1: oh my goodness. So before we um uh, before we end the show, um Jeff and Inga, if anyone wants to contact you guys about either training with you like i i know uh master smith has at least 3 schools in the united states so if anyone wants to train at any one of your schools or um to even ask you guys questions about how to you know how to get into martial arts what's a you know a tips on training or whatever how can people contact you uh
5: the Let's best way with, to yeah. reach the best way to reach me uh you know i'm now the national director of mile high karate <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. and we are we franchise martial arts schools, so we actually uh have over twenty schools that uh, that are, are franchises oh, wow. and and we have That's in cool. australia and new zealand and all over the u s but if you go mm-hmm. to uh, milehighkarate.com, karate dot com you can reach us that way or you can okay. uh, send my personal email at w c for world mm-hmm. champion j s for jeff smith karate at a o l dot com so w c J.S. Karate at AOL.com. So either one of those, you can reach me and uh, be glad to talk to you.
1: Awesome. And uh, Inga, do you have a fan page like on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or yes. anything like that? All, all of them. And um, my main
4: is a page. My page on Facebook with my full name Inga Van Arden to N in the end. So my website is ingavanarden 2 nindian dot com. My email is ingavanarden 2 nindian at gmail. dot com.
1: So oh, okay. just search for that name, and that's it. <laughs> wow! Oh, very good. Very cool. Well, you know, I wish we had another hour to to talk with you guys, but um, <laughs> my server is going to kick me off here. Thank well, you I so I want, much. I want to t I just want to tell Robert that whole evolution of Taekwondo
5: from the very beginning of the traditional to the more mm-hmm. modern and all the gymnastics, I was there to watch all that. So we'll have to get together again on another show because that could yeah. be a whole show on itself uh, because yes, it's quite a, quite an impressive evolution up through that traditional martial arts through the Olympic style yeah into the competitive, into the character development. So it's gone full circle.
4: Oh, yeah. I bet
5: it has.
4: Of I would like to say thank you so much um, for inviting, and thank you so much. You're doing a great job on the show. I really love it. And I, I really send you a lot of, lots of blessings and love. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank,
2: thank you, so you, Inga. So that was so nice.
1: Yeah, thank you, and definitely, uh, Matt Smith. If you know when me and Bob get uh, a show like that put together, definitely we'll be we'll be getting in touch with you because we've been interested in doing a, a show that's similar to you know the evolution of old school to new school type of martial perfect. arts. I think that would be very perfect. fun. Oh, yeah, man,
0: that would be awesome. So, Robert, yeah. is there yeah. a
5: way? Is is there a way? Is there a replay of the show for people that
2: we can put out and let them know? Absolutely, there's an archive immediately. And uh, R- Rusty, could you send him the link on his email on do- yeah, WWC? Sure. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. WcjsKarate
4: at AOL dot com.
5: Got it, I'll and go as mine go. as well, please. Okay, or yeah, you bet. Or you can you, you,
4: them can, you yeah. can
5: text it. You can, Yeah, you can text it to me too, Robert. You got my cell my cell number. Okay. Oh, that's
1: true. I do. I'll, I'll text to you, Jeff. Okay, and great. And I'll uh, I'll email Inga. Awesome, okay,
5: thank you, I appreciate
1: it.
5: Thanks a lot, Robert. And uh, you guys do an awesome show there, and uh, very impressive. And uh, it, it's great it's great to have somebody who's uh, you know covering this for people, so they can uh, find out a little bit more about martial arts and the, the background. So, awesome. thanks a lot, thank yeah
0: Appreciate thanks.
5: it. Thanks.
1: That hey, was our goal you, and Jeff. we're gonna continue to be the goal. Thank you. Have a great evening, everyone. Bye bye now. Okay guys. Okay. You too. Bye bye.
0: Mm-hmm. Bye. Well bye, tune everybody. in. Bye. Take care, Jim. Bye. See you guys.
1: Bye. Well, tune in next week everyone as we have I don't know who we're going to have <laughs> next week. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know. You um
0: know,
1: I've got I've 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 got some people, you know, sitting on the sidelines right now. I'll um I'll uh talk to you a little bit later this week about the possibilities of that. Um I got a few uh uh tentative subjects that are kind of that have been sitting on the sidelines as well. So, uh but until then, keep an eye out on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page, folks, and uh get the get the latest on what we're probably going to have in coming weeks. So, have a great evening everyone and have a great rest of the week. Talk to everyone next time. Bye-bye now.
0: Bye-bye.